one. Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists, people of the regenerative movement who are committed to a planetary purpose. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Angela del Sol. Angela is a climate activist and social entrepreneur, international curator, passionate about connection between the arts, culture, and social impact. In 2016, she founded Solar Creative, a creative studio to help brands connect with their audiences from URL to IRL, and that's real life, right? Catered for the global generation that values design and legacy. She recently launched a new business called Rainbow Sunbags to support artisan women in her home country, Colombia. And Antila has used her voice to advocate for climate action and bring clean energy and drinking water to places that need it most. I'm really excited for this conversation also because she has fundraised over $100,000 to bring solar power and clean water to places like Puerto Rico and Colombia and um, has highlighted the humanitarian work by Olafur Eliasson. Um, little Sun Energy. So with these words, welcome, Angela Del Sol. Julian, how are you? Thank you for such a lovely intro. I feel like my, my bio is so robust sometimes. There's like so much in there. It, it's, definitely, it's definitely a lot. And this was already the skimmed down version, right? Um, there's, there's so much you've already experienced in your, um, in your journey on this planet this, this time around and this wonderful Colombian heritage. You want to tell us a little bit about your home country and what, what's going on and how, you know, the Colombia's like view in the world, I think is really changing. And um, I love that you're bringing this light to the indigenous people. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Colombia and I moved to the United States when I was about 13 years old and living in Colombia now that I'm older and every time I go back I appreciate it more and more um, I appreciate our value our family values how much we're so connected with our family with our elders I appreciate our love for for dance for celebration um, for nature and yeah, it's been, it's been interesting because it took me going all over the world and see the world to realize that the place that I needed to go back to was my home country to do work there. Um, because prior to that, I've been working mostly in production, um, music production and doing also conferences and culture, cultural events around the world. And I always, yeah, I've always had that heart to, I've always been very sensitive to my surroundings. And, you know, when I was in places like Morocco and I would see the poverty around these like majestic spaces that I was organizing play events and, and like seeing the duality of, of the realities all over the world, mm -hmm. I started to really feel this need to do something. And then, um, yeah, I, I was in Indonesia last year and I was, you know, doing some prayers and, and all of a sudden I felt like there were answers and I just, I just kept on, I just realized that the place that I needed to go back to was my home country. So now I'm there. I'm, I started working with the Arawako tribe. Um, they're one of the oldest indigenous tribes in our country. They've been there before Columbus and, you know, they're over 16,000 and, grow, and 
growing. Um, they're located in La Sierra Nevada, which is this, mount, this mountain located on the coast. It's like this massive mountain that they consider the heart of the earth. And yeah, getting there was a whole journey. And even me finding this place was very serendipitous. I never intended to go, go there. I was working with another tribe in um, advising an eco-fashion brand called Ilo Sagrado, working with the Guayus, which is another tribe that works in the north of Colombia, um, in La Guajira, which is a desert region. And now I just realized that I have this, like that, that, that all the work that I would like to continue doing is continue supporting the, the preservation, the cultural preservation of these, of these cultures. Yeah, tell, tell me a little bit more about, about the cultural preservation as you know, a larger topic in that sense, because I, I feel like there, there's people in the world who, who might not understand the value of preserving culture, you know, and, and I think me personally, even I, I, I question this, this quite a bit because there's something about bringing in the emerging future and like adapting to uh, A, what's possible through technology and, and B, what kind of almost must for us to live in a world that works for everyone. But if we only go forward, I, I fear personally that, you know, traditions and cultures and, and cultural ways of relating would get lost. So that's enter cultural con conservation in that sense. So do you believe yeah. in a world where we, where we culturally conserve certain ways of living? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, I think that there's room for expansion and innovation in all of our cultures. And I think that indigenous tribes have always felt like they're part of nature. And unlike us, we've kind of separated ourselves from nature. And what makes them so advanced, in my opinion, is that they work in harmony with nature as a part of nature versus dominating nature. And I find that to be very interesting in just the ways that they do farming, the way that they clear land for, for, for growing their own vegetables, right? They do it in a manner that there's, the spirit, that there's this very um, a spiritual side of it that to be completely honest, I myself can't wrap my head around it because it's so subtle and they just have this deep connection with the elements that because we are growing so detached from just touching the earth and, and, and the food that we eat and the air that we, that we breathe, like we're just, I would say 99% of human beings are very disconnected from nature and the way that these tribes operate, there's this wisdom to them that I think we can learn from. And even when it comes to, you know, technologies, I find them to be very advanced. When I see their architecture and how they've created roofs that when you have these massive torrential rains, they're just, they, there's not one single drop that gets into these houses made out of, you know, bricks and, and mud, right? So I think that there's a lot of things that we can learn from them. Um, they have a, a lot of knowledge with plants, 
with herbal medicine that if you can think of all the far, like pharmaceuticals, they have gone a lot of these things, most of the things derive from nature. So well, most of those things even derive from the Amazon di directly, right? Like over 80% of our pharmaceutical industry is based on plants and herbs that absolutely. Amazon based on. Yeah, and you know, speaking of plants and this tribe, you know, I it's a very controversial subject. And I actually had a moment last night, I was having dinner here and you know, for instance, the, the indigenous tribes that I work with, the Arawakos, they work with the coca leaf. They're the only people in our country that are allowed to grow these because this is their a spiritual tool to connect with their God. And the, unfortunately, this leaf has caused so much chaos in our country. Why? Because the desire of the West to feel and to create something with it that has been completely detrimental and destructive. And last night I was at a, at, a, at a social gathering and I was speaking with a fellow sustainability wonk that's trying to help, you know, hotels here in New York City go plastic free. And in the middle of the party, the, the, it's brought up that people are doing cocaine and I've always get shocked by these and I find that too extremely controversial because I'm like how can you care about the earth and still do these things like do you actually understand where this comes from mm. who you're taking from and the blood that's been shed for you to get this and then I start thinking about not just Cocaine, I think about tobacco, I think about sugar, I think about all of the plants that we have at some point, the West has just wanted it, cacao, chocolate, you know, we just want to feel connected with nature. And I think that we do this, we do this uh, in a very um, subconscious way by the consumption of these things that mm, come from. That's so interesting. I I totally agree. And I also think there's a, a larger kind of cycle that we're just, you know, maybe becoming aware of again, you were speaking about indigenous tribes being in connection with the cyclical kind of experience that we have as nature, right? Like nature has that and we are part of it. But then in our consuming behavior, like anywhere in the world, I mean, maybe the Arctic poles and some deserts excluded, food can grow. And when you eat food from your local kind of radius around you and you have a relationship with it there's a complete different way you, you you connect to what goes in my body and how what effect it has on my body and i think i mean you're talking about medicines and plants and then the possible ways of how to use plants but really for me the the topic of substances any substance that i enter into my body if it's food or medicine or medicine as food or food as medicine right like it's 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 basically us relating with the earth in a way and if we've lost this connection then look at our global agriculture at scale for example like it's almost it's almost a joke that we we like we take out the amazon to to build kettle you know yeah it's something that is um yeah that's why when i think about indigenous cultures i find them to be so advanced right because they have managed to feed their feed and grow their their communities without destroying their land 
you know and i think that the, the conflict right now is that is i think food is the is a huge topic that we need to address i think it's just consumption in general i think being with them really makes me question consumption and it makes me question sovereignty because up to these recent years where i've been going on this rabbit hole of exploring being with these tribes studying them learning from them listening to them i realized that they are more free than we are because if you were to cut the electricity from us and our wi-fi and our financial systems will break down i don't know how we will be able to to function like even if, if in new york city the lights goes off the water goes off and our credit cards stop working how do we actually survive when no one's growing their food when no one knows where the waters come from when nobody knows where anything comes from and then i go to the complete other side of the world and i see these people that preserve the water like it's the most sacred thing and they and they and they and they they they're trying their their best with the resources that they have to 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 keep their waters clean and the way that they they plan things are very are very responsible you know they always they have this sense of community that then when they consult for the clearing of a land everyone needs to agree you know and i think that we're really lacking that in our culture and we could really learn from them yeah, I like the focus on learning um, and integration of those lear learnings, right? Much, much more than it's either this way or that way, or it's this system or that system, because those conversations very often lead to just more conflict. While when we, when we look at other cultures or other ways of doing things, and we, we look at things with a curiosity, I think some of those relations are just really obvious. Like if we have a better relationship with the land and understand soil is sacred and life-giving in a way, um, we might have these relationships to each other and the animals as well, right? And so I think the indigenous way of relating with the planet and therefore with the, the community and world around us is, I, I would totally agree with you on, on that, is, is, is part of a holistic vision that we, we want to kind of cultivate. Yeah, and I think more than that is just because where we are right now as a planet, it's critical that we stand with our indigenous tribes worldwide because they are the ones that are taking care of most of the biodiversity that keeps all of us alive. And I think that until we don't, until that doesn't sink in, the fact that when a species dies, it creates a disbalance in the change, in the chain, right? And these tribes have done an incredible job at preserving this biodiversity, where you have pumas, where you have birds, where you have all sorts of mammals, reptiles, like you have all the animals that you can think of and they, they live in harmony with them, you know? And yeah, and I think that right now we're in a critical spot that we need to have these, these indigenous tribes being part of these conversations in all of our governments. And when I see what happened here in the United States, I was very active during Standing Rock and it was extremely heartbreaking. And I, it's, still, it's still painful to talk about what has happened on, you know, on, on this lifetime for us, for now, for millennials or for Generation Z to have witnessed how our governments have 
completely done what they did 200 years ago, 100 years ago. Yeah, or less, exactly, yeah. Or less, right? That the Trail of Tears is happening right now because you have indigenous activists being killed all over the world because of they, because they just want to protect the nature, you know? You know what I find is such a curious uh, kind of harmony at the larger picture there is that our utmost um, ambition in the Western culture, let's say space travel, gets us to a same or similar point of consciousness. People who have been in space come back with the overview effect where they see the pale blue dot planet Earth as like a molecular kind of uh, bubble or like a, a, a loop of molecules where we're all one, we're all sharing this blue rock and therefore this, this responsibility and kind of come out with a similar consciousness as those who live most in quotation marks here, like primitively, like simple, connected to the earth, right? And, and, yeah. and so this is for me, what's mind boggling is that these, these topics happen also as larger paradoxes. It's almost like our entire population is waking up to um, who we are on this planet. Absolutely. And I think uh, the message that I received from them um, just a few weeks ago was that we cannot let the fear and the doubt get into us because when we're doing the right thing, there's no room for doubt. Right. And I think that in our society, we're really being fed with so much fear. Fear is what drives most decisions. It seems like when I come here to the West, this you know, consume this so you can lose weight and, and buy that so you can be happy and go there so your girlfriend can love you more. And it's all around consumption of things and, and creating these wants and desires. And they're mostly based out of fear. And what I've learned from this, from this culture is there's this innocence and there's this love that it's so beyond, beyond, what I've ever experienced of just seeing people that are so, um, they will share, they share even if they don't have, you know, and they have so much compassion for us, the little brothers, you know, they, they see us as little brothers and, yeah. and they're so compassionate in saying, you know what, we're in this learning experience. So when I come back here, I sometimes get caught up in the duality and now I'm just trying to remember that we're all on this experience, on this life experience and doing our best. Yeah, that's beautiful. The metaphor of the big brother, little brother, but we're really here, here together as children of earth. Angela, do you want to tell us a little bit about the, the sunflower project and, and, and the solar project that you, you created? Yes. So I started this company named Solare Creative four years ago. It's a creative studio to connect brands with the global generation that cares for legacy. And when I was in Berlin, I discovered Little Sun Energy. It's a company that this incredible artist named Oliver Elison started with the intention of inspiring artists and creators to use their gifts for, for something positive in the world. So he came up with this beautiful little sun lamp that it's a solar power lamp that's, that's meant to give light to places that live off grid. So every time you buy a little solar lamp, they have a foundation and they give a solar lamp to another place that lives off grid. So the project started as an art project. Um, 
three years ago there was a solar eclipse it was one of a one of a kind so ex uh, solar experience and I pitched them I told them hey I would no one knows about your product in the United States how about if I activate you during the solar eclipse and let me just bring 80 80 lamps with me and we'll make an art project with that and it was at a music festival at the Oregon eclipse so that's how it all began and then after that there was Burning Man and we brought them at Burning Man and through that experience I realized that people got the message but depending on the setting the message is more it resonates more and funny enough or not so funny uh, Hurricane Maria happens right after Burning Man and that's when I realized that the solar lamps were not meant to be for all entertainment at that moment but they were meant to be of help so I fundraised again and I went to Puerto Rico right after Hurricane Maria during right after Christmas right before Christmas and it was a life-changing experience to give light to, to communities that have lost it all and also seeing firsthand the devastation of, of a climate a climate crisis and, and seeing what a hurricane can, can do to a community and how hard it is for humans to bounce back and how magical it is to see plants bounce right back. You know, that all of the trees were crooked, but then somehow they were still blooming. And then you have homes, no matter whether they were in wealthy neighborhoods or in poor neighborhoods, everyone was without light. So I think that nature is this common denominator that's super humbling when we really realize that we're at the, we're at the, we're at the mercy of, of nature at the end of the day. No, we, I mean, you know? we totally are, right? And I appreciate you going into the story of, of uh, Solar Creative like that. Um, I think we're totally at the mercy of nature. And I guess part of our learning on this planet is do we need to see it through disasters and climate uh, catastrophe? Or can we learn this proactively by, by leaning into the direction of nature and indigenous tribes? And also, I guess, across the world, it's simply those who, who, who might need more in a Western society of looking at things. Like, as you said, like the, the tool, the solar, um, kind of lamp didn't even work for those who go to the Oregon eclipse or the burning man because we already have so much stuff that just more stuff isn't really doing it for us but the moment someone needs something and there is a a like a purpose to a tool or to a way of how we understand let's say solar energy uh, it suddenly spreads like nothing else yeah and I think that since then it has spread um, and I think more people I think people only learn through experience so I I really want to believe that us as humans will realize that we don't need to save the planet. I think this discourse really needs to change because the planet does not need any saving. The planet has taken care of itself. Nature has its way of balancing everything out just fine without us. So I think until we realize that we are the ones that are under threat and that, and realize the severity of that statement because I think that it's it's so real and for those that have studied the data it's so um yeah I think I almost feel like we're going through this grieving process right now this grieving process that we need to first accept the lost 
and then mourn the loss and then act from a place of love into a solution that we can do right now. Um, and yeah, I really hope that we don't need to learn the hard way. And I, I just question our memory, you know? They, here in New York City, I was here during Sandy. I was just a student at, at university, at American University in Washington, DC. And I came here for Halloween. And I witnessed, I was on a 46th floor in Long Island City, and I witnessed the water rise all the way to the third floor of that building. My friend's car was completely totaled underwater, you know, and this was, and if we have a lot of things happening in our train system right now in New York City it was because our, our trains, our train system was underwater, was flooded, you know, and we're still questioning that things are changing. And then we forget. It's like, we have the news, we have the one day mania of like news flash, the fires, the flood, the fires, the flood, help now, help now, help now. And like switch back to what's the new diet, what's happening in the Oscars, like what's the next fashion? And then we forget. Yeah, it seems so silly that that's our cycle. So let me ask you a follow-up question to that. Like, what do you think would it take for humanity to learn from its past and, and its actions? I think remembering, I think there's a, I think that we're forgetting history. I think learning history could really help us because I think we're operating from this place of, yes, innovation and, you know, manifest destiny and like, let's reach whatever we need to reach and continue inventing and creating, inventing and creating and inventing and creating. And I think that there needs to be a point of reflection, of integration of really understanding what do we have? What, have? what have people behind us that came have made? What can we learn from them? Do we need to reinvent the wheel? And I think in the sustainability system, I, I, I see it and I, and I have always a hard time wrapping my head around it is that we're all working towards the same goal. And sometimes it feels like we're so fragmented and it's like we're all working in the same industry. Why do we need to continue having more companies pop out? Yes, the competition is great because it pushes us to get there, to reach those goals. But there's an element of collaboration that we can see in nature, right? Like you see these massive trees that, that re almost reach the sky. And then you have these small little plants that grow under them. They don't see the sun. Physically, they don't see the sun. The rays never reach them. But nature is so kind and sharing and collaborative that the, the sun reaches that little, that, little, that little plant, you know? Yeah, totally. I think that's a great metaphor, how things grow in harmony in nature, but in, in a collaborative field almost. Um, for that collaboration, uh, let, let me just continue on with like a few more questions. Like for this collaboration, I, I guess, you know, one of the things that's needed is a form of trust. And so I would love to know from you like personally or even in, in context to um, professional collaboration or however you, you want to take the question. Like what does it take for you, Angela? What does it take to trust and to experience trust? That's a great question. And 
that has been the theme of this year. I think for me to experience trust, there has to be a there has to be a not a, a complete honest and vulnerable share of values and desires. I think that as human beings, we have to understand what really drive us. And I think for me to have trust, I really need to understand that driving factor of people that I work with, that I date, that are my friends. I think that understanding what really they're made out of from a place of non-judgment. And I think to establish trust, there needs to be a space of safety where mistakes can happen and there's redemption in those mistakes, right? That there's a space of learning because what I've learned from past projects is that there's been this very black and white, almost authoritarian way of doing things that if it's not my way, there's no way. And I think that for me to trust and to give anything my all, there has to be the honesty of the intentions. Like the intentions need to come from the same place, which in my opinion, everything needs to start with a place of love. If things are not based on love, they're based on greed, on power, on ego, or the desire of validation, or mm -hmm. anything that's not rooted in that, like, I... I'm doing this from the heart and I don't know how and I don't know why, but I'm doing it because my heart is telling me to do it. And when you start doing things from the heart and you make mistakes, it's like you're a child that you're playing in the sand and you, 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 you hit somebody by accident in the, in the sandbox, but then you brush it up and you laugh and you hug again and you keep on playing. And, and I, and I think that that level of trust, um, it's hard to attain because it's easy to just quit. It's easy to just fire. It's easy to just ghost someone. It's easy to just say, you know what, this is not for me. Versus, versus sitting down and learning the mistakes and recommitting and setting boundaries again. You know, it's like building a house. If, 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 a, if, a, little play, if a little brick is off, you put a shingle on it or something and then you rebuild it again. Yeah. It's like real, it's in real time. It's alive, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't stop a park anywhere in that house metaphor, especially, but I, I, I love, I love all these answers I get to this question, but I, I love this answer specifically around what I, what I'm hearing out of it is when we speak our own truths, and our own truth is uh, the subjective experience. But when we dare to speak them and speak them kindly also, we're actually leaning into this vulnerability that you mentioned and on leaning into this transparency or it's building this transparency of understanding, oh, okay, this is how you actually see the world or this is how, uh, you know, now we are, we're learning this on the great collective that indeed there are a lot of corporations that see profit uh, excluding uh, the well-being of our planet. And, and so that already makes no sense anymore now that we're seeing it on such a large scale, right? Like if 30 years ago, it might've been a choice that was easy to make, but now 30, 50, 60 years later, the consequences are telling us we, in order to continue to trust, we need to adapt in real time. Absolutely. And I think that's why I started, I started my project. I started Solara. It was because up to that point, 
I was seeing the destruction that came with the creation of these experiences that for at that time, you know, we were millennials, young millennials, and everyone was just trying to have a good time. And you go to these 50,000 music festivals, people music festivals with, with, you know, three days of all the best music, the best food and all of that. And then you see the aftermath of that and you see all of these tents and all of this waste and almost this confusion that comes from leaving these spaces so open and not having a direction afterwards, you know? And, and, and I think that we are in a space where we have to align and it's a process that doesn't have to be painful if we do it in community, you know? And I think that corporations, some corporations are trying do they need to try harder in my opinion? Yes, but at the end of the day, we the consumers are the invisible hand that drive this. So until we don't stop consuming and voting with our dollars to these companies, then it does not matter. And until we don't realize that power and, and, and just cut these companies that are hurting our planet. And this has been a process for me because I, did not grow up with indigenous people. I did not grow up like, you know, swinging from a, from, I don't know, a tree, like some people might think because of my, because of how I am right now, where I'm like, so connected, you know, try to be as connected as I can. It's like, no, I grew up in a city that's super polluted, you know, grew up buying tons of fat, like I love fashion, buying tons of things, eating meat, you know, traveling the world responsibly, like, you know, I didn't know. And now I see all my friends that are still are, are awakening and I realize that I need to be more kind mm -hmm. because I was in that space before. And for me, took me a really harsh awakening. Like I didn't change because I just like saw a new matcha that was introduced to me and like, that made me feel green. No, it was me almost dying, you know, and having my life flick in a second and realizing that up to that point, I was not doing the right thing. And that from that moment onward, my, each breath that I had in this earth was a gift. And I couldn't just continue playing around with it. Wow. And I don't think most people have that harsh, that harsh wake up call. That's that's so profound. Yeah, each each breath is is a really big gift in which we we get to play and create and choose who we are and choose what we what we play create into this this planet right into this experience of being a human. Yeah, yeah, it's all we have. It's all we have, and yeah, and you know, I yeah, I think that. I think that death teaches us so much, you know, and I think that we just don't think about it. I think when we're young. This is a really big topic, right? Death and the way we as individuals or um, as a collective relate to death, you know, because as, as everyone knows um, who, who's listening to this podcast, um, we, one of the only things we know for certain is that part of life is, is, is death and in nature, it's all around us in cycles of life and death. And so, um, you know, if your spiritual leaves goes to think of karma or reincarnations, um, and even if you don't believe them, they might still be happening. But 
but those those are the larger pictures of death right but if we zoom back into the planet and the state of the planet we are collectively afraid of dying we don't ever approach it as a topic of openness and, and other than in like one or two chosen religions and religious backgrounds i don't think it's part of our education systems or schools or even part of our healthy um entertainment right is is death and this idea of like um embracing it as part of why we're here absolutely absolutely and i think that right now with with this huge tragedy that we've all experienced here with the death of kobe bryant and his daughter Gigi, i think everyone has really awakened to the how ephemeral life can be and it doesn't matter that you're flying on a private jet or you're walking down the street we don't know we actually don't know and i know that that uncertainty can cause so much stress and 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 there's also in this generation i've noticed that you know we're like okay purpose purpose and like let's like like let's find the meaning of these and like what's the meaning of life and maybe the meaning of life is just to live it in harmony and it's maybe not grandiose titles and 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 maybe is the quality of the time that you spend with somebody that you love you know and mm. yeah i get very emotional <laughs> talking about this topic um yeah i very much appreciate your passion here on the show and then making you know going deeper into those those very real topics because i think we just talked about trust and then honesty transparency like you know being also vulnerable enough to go into the the deeper topics i think you know when when we said earlier um one day there's a natural catastrophe like you you mentioned in that new york example but then two days later you're back to um who's on which fashion list and who's going to work at which time and what does the person at starbucks write on your cup um but 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 really when we when we slow down enough to look at all this in context i think it is the actual consciousness the actual way of relating to life the actual way of relating to nature as nature that allows us to build a not just sustainable um, human society on earth but also one that is so intelligently linked with what the planet and nature does um, by itself like a form of planetary intelligence or biomimicry right in, in which we can create a regenerative world one where um, our relationships to each other to nature to trees to plants to animals to death aren't um, so binary of domination or losing right but are much more quantum sided in that sense yeah i couldn't have phrased it better it's just uh yeah it's losing that fear right losing that fear of living and losing that fear of dying and just and just really not getting so caught up on the be on the small things right so when we talk about trust we have to give things a chance like we have to we have to open up our hearts that even if things don't work out even if we you know if things are not gonna last forever or they're gonna take off or that project that we spent six years on or five years on doesn't happen we are willing to take that risk and i think trust comes with that ability to take risk and and not doing it for the winning or the losing but doing it for the playing you know of 
just I just want to be part of it. Wow, we already went to, you know, one of my core questions I usually ask at the very end, but but I feel like we already covered this entire sentiment and spectrum, which is like, what is our vision for Earth? What what kind of vision in the context of even seven generations and you so eloquently introduced that as like part of your work working with, with the indigenous people. So I feel like um, there was a lot of amazing ground covered in this episode. And I'd like to ask like one or two more really grounded, pragmatic questions to to Angela, so just so we get to know you a little bit better and, and know what what lessons you you've you've learned in life so far, um, or what what beautiful places also made you come alive. And so that's my next question. If you were to name three favorite places on the planet, which ones are they? Oh, there's so many. Um, I love Colombia, of course. In my opinion, it's the best country in the world, but the world is just so beautiful. It's so hard to, to compare, but I think, you know, Colombia is just so beautiful. Um, I would say Shafshawan in Morocco is one of my favorite places. I just love the, the, the mysticism and the shades of blues in the city. And it's just a place where I see myself one day, just going there and writing a book like writing an autobiography and just being completely, cool. you know, uh, off grid there. Um, I have really, a really soft spot for, for cities like Berlin and Bali and, and yeah, Paris. I just, you know, every place comes with so much culture, so much soul. It's really hard to pick, but if I could, I would, yeah, I would say, I would say Colombia, I would say Indonesia, I would say Africa. Africa is a continent that I'm just so curious about. And, you know, when I learned French, I did it to go to Senegal. So I'm like still wondering when, when will the opportunity for me to go to Africa arrive? Because I'm so curious to explore Africa. Yeah, awesome, awesome answers. Um, on that curiosity note, like, what does it take for you to consistently choose optimism and like have this, you know, this energy in life where you're like, no, no matter what, I'm showing up, I'm alive, I'm here, I'm doing this. This is this is what I'm meant to be doing. I think that comes from transmuting so much pain, like really, really. Um, yeah, I think that my life hasn't been the easiest and I've actually feel like I've had to grow up so fast and I've had so many events happening that have shown me, again, the, 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 the time, the, the sacredness of time in this earth that I, yeah, I try to make the most out of the, hand, the, the cards that are dealt, you know, and I think that as long as I'm breathing and as long as my feet are grounded on the, on the earth, I'm fine. Like I will be taken care of and we all will be taken care of. And I think that when we remind ourselves that there's, there's no, nothing, nothing cannot be solved as long as we're breathing, right? We will continue fighting no matter what, and we'll continue figuring things out. And I think that when we just remind ourselves that this moment is the gift and this breath is the gift, everything changes. 
I think gratitude is what keeps me so alive. I think I never stop saying thanks to my grandparents, to my great grandparents, to the people that built these roads that allowed me to ride my bike down the street or the, you know, whoever built these buildings that we live in, like, thank you, you know? Thank you to the scholars that wrote the books that inspired me. Thank you for the musicians that like really looked deep in their souls to create works that will transcend time, you know, that your great, great, great grandchildren will sing and my great, great grandchildren will sing and still connect with the power of love, you know, mm. and, and pain and all the spectrums of emotions. But yeah, I'm just so thankful for, for everyone that gave, that gave it all, they're all in their life. I, I hear you on that. Gratitude is such a profound uh, angle and perspective on life. And I have tremendous gratitude for, for you taking the time and like sharing, going deeper, being vulnerable, opening up about your points of view in the world, your, your projects, your life. If you, if you were to close on, on just either like a last anecdote or like a request you have for people listening, maybe you want to bring something to attention, what could that be? So if I could bring anything to, to the attention of people that are listening to this podcast, and by the way, Julian, thank you so much. I love the work that you're doing. I think that there's such a power into stories and into listening and into sharing and asking the questions to really um, get to know people that are, are at the, the forefront of this, of this climate revolution. So thank you. Um, and if I could ask people something, I think that especially here in the United States and all over the world, is that being political active, it's the most important thing that we can do right now. I think that we can talk about um, geoengineering, we can talk about diets, we can talk about eco-fashion, we can talk about all sorts of solutions, but unless the people in power continue to ignore our voices, it's gonna be really hard for us to continue doing this work. So if I could ask anyone that is listening to this, whether they're in the United States or in Brazil or all over the world, is that we need to, we need to pay attention to politics and we need to be very discerning on the messages that we're, that we're being fed and not so much focus on the things that are being said, but the things that are being omitted. And I think that this year in the United States is absolutely defining that everyone goes and vote. Everyone that goes and vote. Yeah. And to exercise yeah. that. Powerful statement. Thank you so much, Angela del Sol. That was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much, Julian. I really enjoyed doing this. And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it, very much so, and we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line, where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. 
hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of inside evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation, or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected, because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in. Connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon. 